One of the most interesting things about having children is is being given the stuff that they make. And um, Arabella, she came home from school um, the other day and she was really proud and really happy. Um, and she brought me this. And I know what you're thinking, what is it? Um, it's a lighthouse, obviously. Um, yeah, you see, you know. And you may, you may be going, well, that's really sweet um, for him as dad to, to us, this looks even worse than modern art. And um, that, was a, that was a cheap gag, I'm sorry. Um, but it's a lighthouse and, and I know my daughter and the bit that she did was this, the, this is the kind of colouring in bit, but the rest of it she didn't really do. I know that she can't, she's not capable of doing any of this, but she is so proud of it and she couldn't believe it and she was like, Daddy, this is for you, this is, this is a lighthouse I've made for you. Now this might be like a really huge jump to our gospel reading and you're all going to go, why on earth? But hear me out, I'm going to try and tie it all together uh, when we get there. And so our, our reading, we're going to have two quick readings um, today and the first is Matthew chapter 5 uh, beginning at verse um, 14. If you want to follow along, it's going to come up on the screen as well. Matthew chapter 5, 14 to 16. And Jesus says this to his followers and to his disciples, you are the light of the world. You see what I did there? You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your father in heaven. And what Jesus is saying here is not just to the super apostles, but to all believers, you are the light of the world. Now, the famous Christmas reading, uh, which is John 1, it talks about how the light came into the darkness. Christ came into the world to bring hope, to bring salvation, to bring a greater story, to bring reconciliation. And Jesus tells his followers, you have that same story. You have that same hope. You have that same salvation. You have that same reconciliation. And you have it for all people to see because you are pointing to the greater light. You're pointing to me. And now you are the light of the world. And this might seem strange, even talking about vision when, you know, we're in the wave of a second epidemic. We are on the cusp of a London lockdown. Why talk about vision when we don't even know what's happening tomorrow? Well, COVID or no COVID, Jesus's words remain true. The church is called to be the light of the world, not just buildings, but the people. The people of God are called to be the light of the world. And now, more than ever, this is the perfect time to remind ourselves, what does that mean as the people of God? What does it mean to be the light of the world? And that's what we're going to be looking at. Because to have vision is, if we just think that Christianity is about coming to church for an hour every Sunday, well, Christianity is just going to slowly die out. And that's not the vision that Jesus had. It's not the vision that Jesus gave to St. Peter when he said, go and build my church. It's not the vision that when people started talking about planting a church into Vauxhall in the 1850s, that's not the vision they had. And it's not been the vision of St. Peter's for the last 250 years, and it's not the vision now. So who is this sermon for? My daughter disagrees. 
Who is this sermon for? Well, if you're a member of St. Peter's, this is for you. And if you're a follower of Christ and you long to see God at work here at St. Peter's, my deepest prayer is that in some small way you will be excited by the outworking of this vision in the church and in our lives. For the others of us that are sceptical of Christianity and you wouldn't call yourself a Christian and you're kind of saying, I don't quite know what I believe. I think this is going to be perfect because I hope that you'll see the heart of what we want to be about here at St. Peter's, what we want our church community to be about. And I hope that you'll see the heart of what God wants to be about and you'll want to maybe explore it further. Who's going to struggle in the next couple of minutes. Well, the people that are going to struggle are those of the people that would call themselves Christians but aren't really interested in Jesus Christ. And that actually for us, we've got into this mindset for a number of months or a number of years where church is just about coming and turning up for one hour a week. And what I hope is, what I can show you is that that's not what we want to be about. There are lots of churches that can provide that for you. But here we want to ask ourselves, what is the vision that Jesus wants us to have when he declared, you are the light of the world? I've got a little tap thing going on here. And so there's nothing new under the sun, right? The church has been doing what we're going to be talking about for 2,000 years. We're just framing it in this particular way. And the way that we want to frame it is this. Jesus' people in his church for his mission in this city. And I want us to look at a a passage in Colossians to kind of unpack what that means. So Colossians, um, chapter 1, if you want to turn with me, if you've got a Bible, um, you can turn with me or you can come up on the screen. It's on page 1182 of our church Bibles. I'm going to read the passage and then we're going to unpack it. Colossians chapter 1, verse 15. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created. Things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. Through him to reconcile to himself All things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your mind because of your evil behaviour, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel, this is the gospel that you have heard, And it has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. Now, the Christian life is marked by three stages, alienation, reconciliation, continuation. And there is a realisation that the world is not perfect. Humanity is not perfect. Our relationships with one another are not perfect. I'm not perfect. It's a big thing for us to have to deal with. And that in our imperfection, there has been an alienation between ourselves and God. And that is the heart of the human problem. And the word that we use is sin. And that there is a need for God. But the Christian doesn't just stop there, that there are problems. 
And that actually there is a step further, that there is now reconciliation for ourselves with God. Think of these two great mountaintops and we're on one side and God's on the other and this great big chasm in the middle. And what's happened is, is that over time and in our lives, through the way we've treated his creation, through the things that we've said, the things that we've done, the things that we thought, the way we've treated other people, there has been this bridge that has broken. And now there is this great big chasm where we've worshipped ourselves instead of God. And what Christ did is Christ came and he led this perfect life that we could never lead. He experienced the full alienation of God so we don't have to. And by dying on the cross, he bridged that gap so that we could walk across to God. Reconciliation to God. But that reconciliation leads to continuation of living out the reconciliation. We've all met Christians, haven't we? And history has been blighted with Christians who have been the most horrendous and evil. You've met Christians that are the most gossiping, unloving, nasty people you've ever met. And you're like, have you been reconciled to anything, let alone a perfect God? And there is a personal continuation of what it means to be Jesus's people. We see that there was alienation. We see that there is reconciliation. And now there is a continuation. Jesus's people. It's not just about coming to church. It's about living it out. Or put it another way, Christ's call for our lives. One of the things that we are passionate about here at St. Peter's is eating together. Um, that's gone really well over the last um, year. And in September, we wanted to have this big banquet. And even 10 days ago, I thought, I wonder how we could do a banquet with lots of people until I was told that you live in a, an, another world. And so what we've, um, instead of doing that, is we've, we've got these little um, gift bags for you. Um, and it's filled with some um, nice little things. There's a nice little biscuit in there and a, and a really cool face mask and a pen. Um, but the most important, the most important thing, um, for those of you on the back row, um, yours is in not a nice white bag, just a kind of foil thing. But, um, you know, we try. Um, and, and what we've got is we've given you one of these prayer cards. And if you're a member um, of St. Peter's, what I'd love is please don't go away and throw it in the bin. When I get given things, I just throw things in the bin. Please don't put this in the bin. And what I would love is if you're part of this church to take this away and to use it to pray. Pray for yourself, pray for the church and pray for the mission of the church. And so the first point is this, Christ's call for your life. In what area of your life? Yes, go eat the biscuits, that's fine. In what area of your life do you want Christ to be at work? Maybe you overwork. Maybe you're struggling with anxiety. Maybe you want to be used by God, but you're not quite sure what that looks like. Maybe you just want to pray more. Maybe you want more to experience more of God's love in your life. Maybe you just want to be less like Scrooge, whatever it is. And can I encourage you to daily use this card to pray? What do I want Christ's call in my life to be? Now, we aren't just running around as individuals trying to follow Christ. We are a community, a community in Christ's church. In verse 18, Paul says this, And he, Jesus, is the head of the body, the church. Now, he's talking about the universal church. 
And he's talking about the local church. Now, I've often said that Jesus doesn't care about style, right? And what we're trying to do here at St. Peter's is we are actively trying to hold different styles together. Same message, different styles. And the message is this, the church is not some club or gym that you join. It's a family that you are a part of. The most bizarre thing that people, over the years, people have come up to me and they complain about church, whether they go to my, the church or not. And um, not at this church, but at another church, someone complained and they said, the church isn't serving my needs. Now, the church is called to serve needs, and we're going to get to that in a minute. But the, it's the most bizarre concept of church I've ever heard, because it's literally the opposite of what Jesus did with his life. Jesus came to not to be served, but to serve. And if the primary reason that you're coming to St. Peter's is to be served, then you've misunderstood what church is all about. And I think Christ being the head of the church, what that means is we as the church should look like him. And that means we need to be radical in our community. And let's be honest, we began talking about this before lockdown and, and who knew what was going to happen? And mistakes have been made by me in the early part before COVID and, and during the lockdown and trying to figure all these things out. We, that mistakes have been made, but that doesn't mean that we aren't learning and we aren't growing. And this is a moment. Yes, we can't eat together in some big banquet table, but we can love and serve one another. We can invite people to our homes. Whether you meet someone from another service, that is the best way to be like, I'm going to welcome as Christ has welcomed me. When you meet people at the end of the service, outside obviously to be COVID safe, when you meet people and what the foundation of all of this is prayer. So on your card, pray Christ's church to be filled. It's not about being filled with people. That would be wonderful. But we could fill this place with people and none of us really like each other. And that would be a disaster. And so pray for Christ's church to be filled with joy and grace and generosity and kindness and love. That people would come in here and not go, wow, it's packed. They would go, wow. This is a family and they really love each other. That would be cool. And so I, that, that's what I'd love us to be praying into as we kind of navigate what does this look like. So you've got Christ as the head. You've got lots of people kind of working out their faith. And before we get too inward, Paul draws us outward. He's talked about the alienation, reconciliation, continuation. And then he says this in verse 23. If you continue your faith established and firm and do not move from the hope held out of the gospel, this is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven. Paul's reminding the Colossian church and us, this is a message for all people. It's a greater story for all people. It's a hope. It's a salvation. It's a reconciliation for all people. The gospel will grow. Paul reminds us of that fact. And it's a fact that we now see the church of Christ is growing. The gospel is growing. 
Don't worry about what you hear about the Church of England. That's irrelevant. What we see is that the church is growing. The gospel is growing. The fastest growing church over the last decade has been China, where it's illegal for me to preach as I've preached that Christ can reconcile you to God. Last year, the fastest growing church, Iran, where it's illegal to talk about your faith if you've converted to Christianity. Someone has told those people what it means to be reconciled to God through Jesus. And if you're a Christian, you're a Christian because someone has told you. You've heard it. You might have heard it from your parents. You might have heard it from a vicar or a pastor. You might have heard it from a friend or a colleague. And Christ's mission, or another way of putting it, Christ's cause is to reconcile people to God. Everyone, everyone deserves to know about a God who loves them more than they could ever imagine. That Jesus paid the debt of our sin with his blood so we can know true freedom. This is the truth. We can never do more than Christ to show God's love, but we can do everything to try. This is Christ's cause to reconcile people to God. Christ didn't come so that we could feel warm and fuzzy, so that we can have a nice experience. And those things are great and those things are nice. You know, when you're gathered with people and this, this, is, this feels nice, but Christ didn't come for that. He came that people would come into relationship with God. Otherwise, why did he die? And what we want to do is that we, we wanted to have a year where we focused on that. What would, asking ourselves, what would church look and feel like in order for it to be accessible for people who don't yet come? How would that look? And we don't quite know what that's going to look like. But that's what we want to focus on. But all of us have a part to play. And I know it's difficult. I get tongue-tied. When you're talking to your, you know, my, my, my drama school friends, they literally, it's like I'm an alien. Like even the idea of me being a priest, they just think it's like a dress up thing. It's like I've just continued from acting school straight into the church. It's like I'm playing a part. They literally, there's no framework. Jesus loves you. And so I'm not, I'm saying these things are difficult. How do we interact with our colleagues and our families and how do we tell them? And that is all complicated, but at the heart of it as well is prayer. Each of us have a part to play. It starts with prayer, Christ's call. Do we really believe that Christ came for other people or did he just come for me? And I'd love us to be a praying community for Christ's cause. That we would, that we'd be praying that one day we will celebrate people coming to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. That we would come to see lives transformed. Why would we not pray for God to gather people into his kingdom? And finally, verses 19 to 20. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things all things. Now that doesn't just mean personally that people come from being alienated to be reconciled to continuation. He's talking about all things. 
Isaiah 58, which is a really important passage uh, for Emma and I, and it, it talks about true religion and true church. And it says that what is true religion? Well, it's to loose the chains of injustice, provide shelter, and do not turn away from the great injustices of our time. And we can so easily see the world around us and think, well, this is as good as it's going to get till we get to heaven. This city, our beautiful city, this is as good as God will make it. But that is not Christ's condition. If Christ says he's drawing all things to himself, he says he's come to proclaim good news to the poor, he's come to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, to release from darkness for the prisoners, comfort those who mourn. And it's so easy for us to kind of have this small view of Christ at work, but do we really want him to transform society? Because we all know there are problems, right? Let's not pretend like our city is perfect. And when we ask Christ to intervene, we're not saying that Christ's condition is imperfection, it's perfection. Would you write what is wrong? And he didn't come so that all of society would continue in the way that it is going. And we are praying for Christ to intervene in all areas of society. And so do we really pray for Vauxhall? Do we really pray for our part of the city? That the condition of our world would be transformed into the condition of Christ. And look, we're not going to see a perfected utopian society. We're not going to see, you know, here on earth as heaven will be, but we will see glimpses. And for each of us, we're going to be, we're going to be affected and we're going to be churned by something different. And that's the beauty of the church. And over the coming years, we're going to figure out how we, how, what part do we play as the church? But are we praying? It starts with prayer. Are we praying about homelessness, the epidemic of loneliness, greed, inequality? What about human trafficking? For some of us, that for us is the big burden. Are we praying that we would see the end? Christ's condition that he would transform even the most difficult conditions in humanity. And so that's Jesus' people in his church for his mission in this city. Christ's call for us individually, Christ's church for us corporately, Christ's cause to reconcile others and Christ's condition to restore the world. And we all have a part to play. We all get to ask ourselves individually, is the light off or is the light on? When we think about the church community and the part we want to play, and I know it's difficult and I know that there are struggles and I know trying to work out what we're doing is difficult, but are we saying, yes, this is my family or actually the light is off and I'm just coming? Or do I know I have a part to play in this community, that I am called to be part of this community, to be the light of the world? There aren't many positives about COVID and lockdown. Um, one that I'm suggesting is that um, people have had a chance to look through their rubbish or their attic. And um, a really sweet old lady got in touch with me out of the blue. She emailed me and she said, I'm going through my grandmother's stuff. And her grandmother used to live around here. 
and she said, I'm, I'm just going through it. And I found, a, um, I found a newspaper cutting about your church from the builder, um, which was a paper, from the September 2nd, 1865. Would you like it? And I was like, yeah, I'll take that. And it's this incredible, and, and here we see um, St. Peter's, and in this secular newspaper, it's an incredible, there's this huge article, and the bulk of the article is describing the church and, and all the different cool little things that are going on. But there's incredible little sections as well. It talks about how um, the architect, Mr. J.L. Pearson, um, he, it says this, Mr. Pearson had formed the conception of a still more perfect design, but the committee compelled him reluctantly to admit much that would have rendered the building more beautiful and effective. Now, at the time, so you've got a bit of context, um, there was a priest up the road that saw the problems in Vauxhall and was like, we need to plant a church into Vauxhall. And there was um, a guy called Hope that was writing a lot about church planting at the time in the 1850s. Church planting is nothing new. And Hope was like, you need to build a massive building. Just be like, don't go in small, massive. And so Pearson comes along, the architect, and um, I'll, let, I'll put this at the back so you can see it. Um, the, the building was three times as big, the size. The tower itself was three times the height of what we've ended up with. Now, I'm not asking us to build a bigger tower yet. No, I'm not asking us. I'm not asking us to build a bigger tower. What I'm asking is that we would have a vision much like Pearson, that it would be massive, that, that would ultimately fail if God isn't involved. That we would be Jesus' people in his church for his mission in this city. And we wouldn't just settle with, well, yeah, okay, well, we're doing well. That we would have this huge vision. The article ends um, with this. About 1,200 pounds still remain as a debt upon the building for the payment of which donations are earnestly requested for those who rejoice to see the church at work among our London masses. Not just us, but the whole city, the whole of Vauxhall. And when I describe all of this, it's so easy to feel like we're like this. It's sweet, but no one quite knows what it is. And we come and we talk about being Jesus' people and you're like, I'm just, I'm literally held together by sellotape. And I've got no part to play. We all have a part to play. Or we come to talk about community and some of us have been burned and we've been hurt by church and we just feel like we're kind of just these kind of, we, we're, we're just squiggles and we're turning up, but we all have a part to play. Otherwise we wouldn't be a family, we'd just be a couple of people. And when we think about Christ's cause and Christ's mission, it's like, I could never tell someone about Jesus. And we're just like this dangly bit and no one knows what the red bit is. And it's like, we've been put together. It's like, who are we? Who am I that I can be part of that? That's not your consideration. Christ has called us to be the light of the world, not off. He's called us to be on. And for us, we start talking about the transformation society and it's just huge. And I know it's big and I know it's kind of like, but why are we talking about it? We can't even take the masks off. Well, because... Christ hasn't called us to just sit back and wait 
He's called us to be the light, however that looks.